Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is Denise. You are watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling January 4th, and it is the first AEW Dynamite episode of 2023. And if you're like looking at me and I got a big smile on my face, it's because we truly had a really good start to the year. I feel like they gave us so much to talk about here tonight. It's going to be a loaded episode because not only did we kick off, uh, you know, this brand new era of AEW, this brand new, I, I don't even want to call it season, this new year, whatever, a new start, but also they are building up towards next week's show in Los Angeles. I will be at that show. I'm so excited because we got the card for it and uh, it's looking pretty good. And we got a couple of teases for um, some things that may be happening at that show. So we are going to make sure to talk about all of that and more here today. So there's going to be a whole lot uh, to kind of dive into. But before we get into everything, you guys know the drill. If you're new here, if you're a regular, uh, please take part in the chat. I do pull out people's comments as we go throughout the entire stream also if you do want to help support this podcast and you want to help uh you know just basically social support as well as also get your questions your comments your statements your hot takes your your excitement whatever it is that you're feeling uh you are more than welcome to send in a super chat at any point throughout the show and i will make sure to read those as we go throughout the entire podcast i'm feeling good guys all right um <laughs> it's always when shows are really really good i always feel like i have this like renewed energy source like coming in you know because you're just so excited uh to talk about what's going down um alrighty so let's get right into this we actually got our first super chat of the day and this is from my good pal grapple geekery who sends in a super chat saying great show could have done without starks getting beaten down and the tag match restart but i love the main event i'm banking on a monet payoff in los angeles now we are going to be talking about you know what happened with starks and uh, chris jericho because even though there was like a minor uh i guess you can say blip in it i did think that the match was very entertaining and we'll run that down in just a second but we got another super chat here from heidi ho a really good friend uh, here of the show thank you so much to heidi ho who said uh, not the biggest AEW fan, but I have to give them kudos. New set made them look big time. The crowd lit is what the show has been missing. Outstanding show, five out of five for me. My favorite Dynamite show yet. Um, given that you started that off with saying that you're not a big AEW fan and this show got five out of five for you, I feel like that kind of says everything we need to know about this show. But I do agree with you and I'm so happy that you pointed this out as well because on top of us getting uh, this new set for AEW, you know, bigger LED screens, uh, these, the entrances are a little bit different. They kind of remind me of like, uh, like cubbies because they have like the square shape and they have the opening uh, in the middle. So those look pretty cool. Uh, you've got the big LED screens and all of that. So it just looks a lot more grander, but um, they had the crowd like really lit today from the looks of it because you can actually see everybody. And I really liked that. Like at first I wasn't sure if the, everybody was just really lit or it was just the way that, I don't know. It looked so much better to be able to actually see everybody because it just really adds to the show and on top of that the Seattle crowd was really really hot tonight I mean they were uh they were on it man and they were very um they were very into everything they responded the way that they should uh they were you know throwing in separate chants and whatnot when John Moxley's uh, microphone didn't work in the show they were like we can't hear you uh, there was just a lot of really
really good moments and uh, they made sure to actually react. I guess you can say at the proper moments, you know, uh, but thank you so much to Heidi Ho for sending in uh, this super chat. And all right, so let's kick off the night talking about Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. So this was the match that had this was the first match that was promoted uh, for this first episode of AEW. This was the first one. And we're coming off of, you know, Jericho, uh, you know, losing to Action Andretti. Things haven't been necessarily uh, looking too great for Jericho, especially coming off of that uh, loss to Action Andretti. He then goes out and calls out Ricky Starks. They had that back and forth uh, last year. They had the back and forth at the last episode of Dynamite, uh, all leading to this match here today. Uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, two weeks ago, they had the back and forth. And then we knew that this match was already going to be happening uh, today. Ricky Starks, as you guys know, is kind of riding like the momentum wave right now on AEW because he literally is coming off of uh this really, really hot, I would say, hot feud with him and MJF because he really went out there and really showcased his, showcased his promo skills. Like, they were really hot. Like, he got himself over. On top of that, he had a really good match with MJF. Obviously, he didn't win the, the AEW World Championship, but it's like, okay, now he's going into this program with Chris Jericho, and we're seeing that uh, unfold here today. Now, I really enjoyed this match. There was only one minor moment that didn't work out, I think, exactly the way they wanted it to, but everything else worked out really great. So they pretty much started this off pretty hot with Chris Jericho slapping the face of Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, like, firing back up on Jericho. Um, there was a moment where you would see uh, Ricky... Starks like literally just chop Chris Jericho, toss him into the steel steps. That was fun. Um, and the one thing that I do want to point out that I noticed right away is, and this goes along with Ricky Starks being pretty popular with the crowd. And we saw this even back when he was, uh, you know, in the finals of the tournament against Ethan Page. The crowd has really been behind Ricky Starks. But also, he plays really well to the crowd. Um, he makes sure to like, I don't know. I mean, the guy has a lot of charisma, so it clearly comes through. And uh, so you're seeing Ricky Starks play to the crowd, but the way that the crowd has been reacting to him each and every single week, and this week included, it really is kind of showing that they got somebody in their hands that can be uh, really propelled to that next level. So he's just kind of like coming in and consistently having uh, good weeks that just show that the people are actually interested in Ricky Starks because the fans are responding. Um, anyways. We get some chops from Chris Jericho afterwards. Uh, we get some asshole chance to Jericho because kind of being a little bit rude uh, to Aubrey Edwards, uh, you know, the referee and whatnot. Uh, there's a moment where Ricky Starks goes to the top rope and he starts like walking on the top rope and he's doing the little dance. So he's showing a bunch of swagger. Uh, but we get a lot of really good stuff here. We get Jericho hitting Starks with a suplex on the outside. Uh, Starks hitting uh, Jericho with the Liger bomb. We see Jericho... Uh, go for the lion salt but starks get his gets his knees up and so obviously that doesn't work out for chris jericho jericho hits the code breaker then one of my favorite parts in this match was when ricky starks countered the judas effect and then jericho countered that countered the rochambeau and then got him into the walls of jericho now this is where things didn't necessarily play out exactly the way you might have uh thought so 
Jericho has Ricky Starks in the walls of Jericho and uh, he has it pretty good. I'm thinking like, okay, either they're just gonna like, I don't know. I was thinking I was already feeling the end here coming. He has him in the walls of Jericho and finally uh, Starks is kind of like getting out of it, but Jericho centers him back right into the middle. So he locks it in even better. And then again, um, we see that Starks is finally going to go to the ropes, but instead uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society 2.0 is out there. So they essentially distract the referee and then uh, hit Ricky Starks in the head with the bat. And so this basically makes uh, Ricky Starks looks like he's passed out. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe Aubrey is going to like call this match and this is how the end is going to happen. But obviously she does the uh, uh, raises his arm to see if it falls to the mat three times, obviously with the third time being the end. However, it actually hit three times. Starks' arm went down three times and I don't know if maybe he didn't realize like oh shit this is the third one like don't like I gotta let it stop um but he did it we actually did see the three of them go down but then he quickly realized it and put his arm back up so that was clearly a little bit of a mistake there but um aside from that like minor uh, mishap there everything was pretty damn good so anyways uh so after this um we do get a little bit more back and forth here. I really thought that this was going to be the end at this point. But Ricky ends up hitting uh, the DDT. He even punches out 2.0 and spears Chris Jericho to get the win. But after this, the Jericho Appreciation Society goes in on the attack at Ricky Starks. And Action Andretti comes out to help out Ricky Starks. And but he, they end up getting outnumbered here. So, um at the end, we see Jake Hager put Ricky Starks, power bombs him through a table. So uh, it's clear that we need some friends there for Action Andretti and Ricky Starks because they are outnumbered. But I love the match, except for that minor little moment that went wrong. But I really do think that they have noticed that Ricky Starks is really connecting with the people. Uh, I think they've noticed that he's a rising star and they are definitely capitalizing on that. And it's clear. So my prediction here in terms of where I think this is going, because I am expecting to see Ricky Starks do a longer program with Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society, obviously now also including Action Andretti, because you've got to also uh, capitalize off of and Action Andretti's win on Chris Jericho. So you've got to capitalize off of both of these things. So I feel that we're going to get a, a little bit of a longer story here between Jericho Appreciation Society, Action Andretti, and Ricky Starks. I don't know if maybe they're going to get themselves some friends and kind of start like a, I don't know, maybe like a young guys up and coming stable. I don't know. Uh, we see a lot of that in AEW, so I wouldn't be surprised. But either way, I was a fan of this. Uh, let's get some thoughts in here. I see a couple of super chats coming in, so let me pull them up. Um, this one is from Roberto Arsenal, who says, I completely stopped watching wrestling for weeks because of the World Cup. This was the first show I saw since early November. Wow, what a great show. Honestly, if you missed uh, because of the World Cup, obviously there were some things that you probably Honestly, there were some things that were good that a lot of good things that happened throughout that period. But I feel like you coming back to this show was probably the best like you didn't really miss like too much right. Uh, and you'll be fine with catching up and whatnot. Uh, but thank you so much to Roberto Arsenal for sending in uh, that super chat. We got one here from delayed Gratz who says, 
The new era of AEW is off to an awesome start. The new set is fantastic with the more video panels, but it's not one giant image like WWE. So yeah, they do have, uh, you know, the big one. And I think they had like three on the sides. And then we were also seeing more in, in terms of like, obviously it's going to depend on the building too. But like for this arena, they had obviously the LED, uh, three layers of the LEDs going across the sections of the arena instead of maybe just doing one or something. They made sure to do, um, to light up all three. So that looked pretty good. Uh, thank you so much to Delayed Gratz for uh, sending in this uh, super chat. It's much appreciated. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to this next segment. So this next one here is, I think that it was weird because all of this was good. Like we all knew where this was leading. We knew where this was leading to like two weeks ago, right? We all knew that this was going to lead to Hangman Adam Page versus John Moxley at the LA show. They made it very clear that that was going to happen. Now there were some, I guess you can say technical difficulties that happened during this. I think kind of, um, took a little bit away from this segment. I did think that it could have been uh, a lot more, I don't know how to say this. I feel, I think it, 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 I think the ending fell a little bit flat, but let me go ahead and explain what actually went down here. So we have Hangman Adam Page out there with Tony Schiavone. And the big question has been, is Hangman Adam Page going to be cleared? And from the very beginning, when he was talking to his doctor a couple of weeks ago, uh, they basically said, you know what, just stop brawling out there with John Moxley and you should be cleared by the time that it's for the LA show. So they pretty much hinted that that was when it's going to happen. So the whole thing today was basically Hangman Page and John Moxley could not get into it because Hangman Page can't afford to be set back another week. And John Moxley clearly wants to actually have this fight with Adam Page. So he also knows that he can't really put his hands on Adam Page until he's officially cleared. Now we know that these two have had these brawls, which is the story as to why it was basically prolonged all the way to the LA show. So, um, but during this, once Hangman Page basically says he's still not yet medically clear to compete, but uh, basically this all leads to, well, he could be cleared next week, right? So um, John Moxley walks, goes in, John Moxley comes in and... <laughs> So he's cutting his promo, right? And it's coming through perfectly on TV. On TV, there were absolutely like no uh, like mistakes at this point. But the crowd starts chanting, we can't hear you. And that's when you, the TV viewer, realize like, oh, shit, like we're hearing them. But the TV, the, the live audience wasn't able to hear what John Moxley was saying. So then after this fight followed a couple of glitches because John Moxley, like, it was weird. Like, I think they gave him another mic and then he's like, God damn it. And then they, they, the camera started cutting to all of these different things. Like one second you're seeing John Moxley, the next you're seeing a far away shot of the crowd, then back to John Moxley, then the crowd again. And so you can tell that they were obviously having, obviously it's a live TV show. So you're having these live technical difficulties and whatnot. So that's fine. Um, but it kind of threw off John Moxley a little bit, I would say, because he kind of kept restarting. So you kept hearing like the first portion of his promo three times where he was basically kind of tired of seeing Hangman Adam Page get his flowers. So he started the same thing like three times, but whatever. They finally come together and uh, everything starts working out the way that it's supposed to. Um. And we get some nice little bit of a back and forth here where we have John Moxley call 
Hangman Adam Page, a little punk ass who doesn't belong in the ring. And he says that he's going to make sure that in their match, he's going to make sure that Hangman Adam Page never gets back up once again. But other than that, we they basically closed it off with both of them, like basically doing this kind of like, I guess you can say yearning to get at each other, but can't because uh, obviously they want Adam Page to be cleared and good to go. And so I did think that the ending kind of fell a little bit flat, but given that I am just excited about Hangman Adam Page and John Moxley in general, I was just like, okay, I'm going to let that go. Even though the, the, the ending of this, the ending of their confrontation, I didn't feel had that really big exclamation point finish, but it was fine, and I'm looking forward to the match, which is officially, we already knew it, but officially, officially announced for the LA show, uh, which I will be at. Woo. Uh, anyway, so that's pretty much what we got here uh, with Hangman Page and uh, John Moxley. Um, okay, so now let's go ahead and hop on into this next part, because I think this one's going to get everybody talking for sure. So... The Acclaimed versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Now, it was last week that we got The Acclaimed doing a uh, music video. And in this music video, this rap disc that they did, they uh, mentioned Jeff Jarrett's wife and basically him, quote unquote, stealing Kurt Angle's wife, okay? Now, this all led to some social media drama and I won't get too much into that, but this led to some social media drama with some people not, you know, really being happy about this. Okay, so you knew today when the acclaimed came out that they were going to mention this again. And I wrote this down verbatim, so excuse me while I put out this rap here that Max Caster did. So Max Caster says, quote, hey, Jeff, your wife better say less. She's getting dragged online worse than Skip Bayless. Acclaimed only hit you harder. You're going to take an L and blame it on Dixie Carter. Y'all are antiquated. Y'all messed up like Andrew Tate did. And you could never stop the rain. Uh, total nonstop. Total TNA means total nonstop acclaimed. Um, so we got a mention of uh obviously jeff jarrett's wife thrown back in here again we even got a dixie carter mention a uh, skip bayless mention after all of the heat that he garnered for his uh very very terrible take um on top of that we got even a shout out on andrew tate and um more mentions of TNA, which he has been mentioning TNA and Ring of Honor uh, a whole lot in all of this. So this was something where I was like, oh, shit, here we go. We're keeping this going. And commentary even made sure to say, like, yeah, like, this is the thing. This is what's going down. Um, So it was definitely a uh, line that I think got people definitely talking, especially after last week and the events that unfolded on social media. So drama we got a super chat here from jake nader uh 722 who says the crowd the energy the atmosphere the hometown boys going over this is what the major leagues look like my friends great show tonight thank you so much to jake nader 722 for sending in the super chat once again if you want to get your question your comment your statement your new year's resolutions right here on the show you're more than welcome to send in a super chat um okay so we got to talk a little bit more about this because obviously we did end up getting a match here uh, between the acclaimed Jarrett and Lethal. 
So we do get Billy Gunn ejected from the ring, uh, from ringside. We get the crowd is chanting F you, Jarrett. And uh, so they, they've been doing that a whole lot. We've been, I've been noticing that for the last couple of months. We've been getting a lot of like, fuck you, this chance to whoever. Like we got obviously the fuck you, Sammy chance, which I remember. We, uh, we even got fuck you, John Moxley chance. Um, and uh, we got fuck the elite chance. We, uh, I think we got like, we just got so many, and then now we're here to f you, Jarrett. Okay, so that's where we're at. We've been getting a lot of these, uh, a lot, a lot more consistently. Um, anyways, so this match here, it uh, basically has a finish that, um, Jay Lee, uh, Jeff Jarrett, excuse me, hits the stroke on Bowens and goes for the cover. During this, Bowens actually gets his foot up on the rope, but um, Sanjay Dutt basically moves the foot of Anthony Bowen. So the referee uh, doesn't see that and doesn't see any of that stuff and counts the three. But you're thinking, okay, there's no way that they're going to actually have, uh, they, they announce new champions, but you're like, no, there's no way that they're, they're going to obviously fix this right now. Uh, they do. Uh, Aubrey Edwards comes out and she basically says, you know what, this is what happened. This is what you missed. So they restart the match. Uh, and then the acclaimed actually gets their, uh, their, their win here. After this, you see uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal just in the ring, like all pissed off, throwing mantrums and this and that. So they're super pissed. And they officially announced that at Battle of the Bouts on Friday, we are going to be getting this match again, but it's going to be a no-holds-barred match. Um, for what this was, like, it was it was fine. Like, this was fine. I think this was really, this felt really hot given the, the, the social media drama that had occurred before. And then obviously with the finish, they just kind of wanted to uh, find a way to basically tell the story to continue and get this other match that's happening at Battle of the Bouts. Uh, so all of this uh, ended up working out, I think, uh, pretty nicely. It didn't take away from the show whatsoever, which is a lot of what people have been saying uh, unfortunately for like the Jarrett, uh, Satnam Singh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt stuff, uh, unfortunately hasn't been getting like high remarks from people. But this time I would say that it uh, complemented the show instead of taking away from the show. But we got a super chat here from Brandon Rosen. Thank you so much to Brandon, who's always being super supportive on this podcast. And Brandon says, I have to admit that first screw finish in the tag title match had me going. I also have a feeling that Jarrett's wife is going to make an appearance before this angle is done. I have no idea on that second part. No idea. I think it would, uh, it would definitely be fun, I think. I think people would definitely react to it. But if it's going to happen, no idea. Um, in terms of the screwy finish that they did, I kind of fell for it for like a split second. But then I'm like, no. You know, a I feel like for the most part, anytime something like this happens, AEW basically, you, you know, we, we're, in, we're in the year 2023, okay? Clearly, we can watch replays. We can see things like this. We can have somebody with eyes that saw what happened come out and say, hey, man, this didn't exactly go down the way that it should. Uh, so for the most part, I knew that AEW would not just let it be like, oh, they're new champions and let's all pretend nobody with any power uh, saw that. Uh, saw that. So I knew that they weren't going to totally ignore it. But either way, it did get me for like a split second. Um, but either way, thank you so much to Brandon Rosen for uh, sending this super chat in here today. Um, okay, so 
We got a super chat here from Taylor Cannon. Thank you so much to Taylor who says, thought that the finish was silly, but so glad the acclaimed retained. And I hope they retain um, in Battle of the Bouts too, okay? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but for some reason, I have like a 0.1% feeling that they're not. I don't know what it is. Just a small little feeling like of what if. I don't know. I don't think so. I think they'll be fine. But there is like this lingering small what if. Anyways, thank you to Taylor Cannon for sending in uh, this super chat. Um, okay, so let's press on because after this, we kind of got... Now, I'm going to have to talk about... Because these two segments happen separate of each other. But I'm going to have to basically put them together. Anyways, so the person who has been literally trending so, so much especially uh, the last, like, I don't know, 24 hours or so. And that is Mercedes Mon Monet. Um, so the former Sasha Banks officially made her uh, Wrestle Kingdom. She made her debut at New Japan Pro Wrestling for Wrestle Kingdom 17 and basically confronted Kyrie, and they are going to have a match. And so, you know, she's got a whole new look. She's got a whole new name. She's got a whole new presentation. And uh, it's been very exciting. Everybody has been talking about it. It's been like the topic of the day. Okay. On top of that, she has also been buzzing because a lot of people speculate that she is going to be uh, the person that teams up with Soraya at the AEW show in uh, LA next week for Dynamite. Now, this has been something we've been talking about for weeks now. Is she or is she not? Well, as we get closer, um, I feel that I feel pretty confident in expecting Sasha Banks, especially with some of the little Easter eggs that we got here today and even a tease. So we had a backstage interview with Britt Baker and Jamie and Tony, and basically... Brit's doing all of the talking, okay? But she has one line, one line that really, really uh, was kind of, uh, it, it was the Easter egg in this for sure. So Britt Baker says, Jamie is the champion. I am the boss. And then she even winks at the camera, okay? I watched it twice just to make sure. She winks at the camera. And then she continues on to say she's the killer, I'm the pillar. Um, that is directly from Britt Baker. Uh, I don't think it was any, I think that this was definitely an Easter egg. Um, so that's one thing. Then the other thing that we got later on in the show was we got a backstage segment between Soraya, Sheeta, and Tony Storm and Renee Paquette, who's doing the interview. And... You know, Renee's asking her about her partner and who she's going to pick. And Soraya's going on about how the women's division is great and this and that, right? Soraya being Soraya. And she's so excited. And then she says, um, you know, she's talking about the best female roster and uh, how we she has like the best, uh, you know, women's wrestlers right next to her. And then she says, but next to me is the best wrestler in the world. And she ends up picking as her partner, Tony Storm. So. Then there was this little thing that they did with the camera work that was brilliant because when she makes Tony, when she says Tony Storm's name, they put a shot of like close-ups of Renee and I think it was a close-up of Sheeta too, where they were all like, "What?" Like they all had like a "What the 
did you really did you just really just pick Tony Storm? Not because Tony Storm's not a great option, right? That's not it. It was more so of like, well, nobody was expecting we weren't expecting that because we were all, you know, basically kind of saying like they're aware of the rumors type of thing. So Sheeta during this, so Tony Storm accepts and they're like all happy about them teaming together. But during this entire time, Sheeta is basically irritated. She's pissed. She feels dissed. She looks a little jelly. Uh, she definitely does not look happy about this whatsoever. So um, it is very clear that given, I think this is, I think it is very clear that we are going to see a swerve. And I feel that the prediction, and this seems to also be the popular prediction, I think everybody here is pretty much thinking this is what's going to happen, that Sheeta is going to attack Tony Storm at some point um, next week prior to the show. And then Saria is going to be like, oh my God, I don't got a partner. Who should my partner be? And then bam, uh, Mercedes comes out. So that's clearly what I'm expecting to go down. I think this was just a way to get people thinking. I think they really want to make it a surprise. Okay. They don't want to make it like, you know, obviously all of these rumors are out there and everybody's been speculating for weeks now and she just appeared at uh, New Japan. So you're thinking, okay, what are the chances of her appearing? Well, they're a lot higher now. So I do think that that's what's going to play out. I'm still expecting Mercedes to walk to debut on AEW next week, all right? That's where I'm at with all of this. But we got a couple of super chats, so I'm gonna pull them up and see what people are saying about this here. Um, Nick Rosso sends in a super chat. Thank you so much to Nick for this very generous super chat. He says, this can't be the mystery partner reveal. Gotta be gotta be a swerve and how disrespectful to Sheeta who would blame her for turning. At this point, Soraya should just turn and maybe start a heel group to feud with the homegrown girls. Yeah, Sheeta was definitely pissed off about that. She was like, this, this, this girl, she really just went and picked um and picked Tony Storm. And I thought uh, I also thought it was funny because Tony Storm and Soraya were like all planning and you know being chit-chatting amongst themselves. So it's very clear that um Sheeta is going to do something to Tony Storm. Like she ain't gonna let this happen. Uh-uh. Uh, all right. So uh thank you so much to Nick Rosso for sending that in. Uh Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat. Thank you so much to Sheldon, who says, I can't believe how Soraya just blew off the longest reigning champion in AEW history, but curious to know what will she do on TV as a heel once she attacks Tony Storm? Well, we see her go out with the kendo stick a whole lot. Maybe she'll I don't know, get the candlestick out and just bam, 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 <laughs> Tony Storm. That's kind of what I'm expecting. I'm expecting her to jump her or maybe there's a mystery attack backstage, right? Like add to the mystery. Like all of a sudden we go to the back and Tony Storm is like splat, laid out, right? And you're like, oh no, what happened to Tony Storm? Who did it? Um, so they'll probably do something like that or maybe just have Tony or have Sheeta attack Tony Storm. Like have Tony Storm actually come out, walk out play her music and everything and then have she to come from behind and be like nah bitch you out um i don't know that's what i think might happen but we'll see uh thank you so much to shelton jackson for sending in this super chat we got another one here from justin martin who says more like scenario tony wrestles the match and mercedes shows up after she attacks tony then mercedes shows up to be soraya's partner i think it's gonna happen before the actual match takes place either backstage a couple you know minutes or so before before or right up at the entrance. 
I think it's got to happen somewhere like that. I don't know if it, I don't think it happens like, or maybe it could happen during the match, but I feel like it would. Yeah, if it does happen during the match, it'll definitely be, um, it would definitely be, like, I think it would, would fool people thinking like, oh, maybe it really isn't going to happen. So it might raise a little bit more doubt. So we'll see. Uh, but thank you so much to Justin Martin for sending this in. Uh, we got a super chat here from Sean, uh, Sean Irani, who says, um, Sirani, who says, what New Japan faction do you want Mercedes to join, Denise? Chaos, LIJ, Bullet Club, or something else? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, Ooh, I would probably go with LIJ just for the freaking hell of it. <laughs> Honestly, just for the hell of it. But I think it would be, if anything, it would probably be more on the Bullet Club side of things. But hey, man, I wouldn't rule it out. We'll see. Taylor Cannon sends in a super chat saying, I know they didn't, I know they didn't hype this mystery partner up this much for it to be Tony Storm. No disrespect to Tony whatsoever, but the mystery partner has to be Mercedes, right? Um, I think I definitely, yes. I think that this is just them trying to get us to maybe doubt ourselves a little bit, just a little bit, even though everybody took it as, it, it was almost like when, it was almost like when supposedly they were trying to make it seem like Soraya wasn't cleared, right? Like she wasn't cleared to wrestle Britt Baker. It's almost like when they did that whole thing, we all knew she was going to wrestle Britt Baker. We all knew she was going to be cleared to do this. Uh, so I think this is just them obviously trying to make us doubt ourselves just a tad bit. Uh, but thank you so much to Taylor Cannon for also sending in uh, the super chat here today. It is very, very much um, appreciated. Um, all right. So, um, let me get caught up here. We got a super chat from AJC. Thank you so much to AJC who says, uh, Sheeta becoming a heel, Mercedes being a heel sounds like a team up if Mercedes is a heel. I don't think so. I think she's going to come in. Um, I don't think she will come in as a heel. I'm expecting her to come in as a baby face, but that's where I'm at. Um, Mitch Hennessy sends in a super chat. Thank you so much to Mitch who says, hey, Denise, love your stuff. Keep on rocking in 2023. I think they will do a triple threat to triple tag, excuse me, uh, Mercedes Monet and Sheeta team up. Maybe Mercedes versus Sheeta. Maybe Mercedes versus Sheeta one-on-one is possible. Um, okay. I don't think, no, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think I'm not expecting a triple tag whatsoever. I'm expecting, uh, Cheetah to technically remove Tony's Tony storm. That's, that's the direction that I feel that that's going in. Um, later on, is it possible to see Mercedes and Cheetah one-on-one? Hell yeah. Like if Mercedes comes into AEW, I feel like we should expect to see at some point Mercedes versus Sheeta. I feel people would be disappointed if you didn't get that. Um, but thank you so much to Mitch Hennessy for the very kind super chat as well. All right. Um, now let me go ahead and move on from here because we still got so much more to talk about. Holy dang. All right. Um, let's get into Brian Danielson and Tony Nese because this all leads to Brian Danielson and MJF and a whole stipulation. Uh, there's a lot of details in this, guys, and a lot of stuff that was said. So bear with me here. All right. Brian Danielson. Tony Nese, um, obviously a huge reaction for Brian Danielson, given that it was that it is his home state. Uh, he gets Tony Nese with a bunch of yes kicks and finally submits him, gets the victory. Cool. Let's move on. Um, he is cutting, he cuts a promo afterwards and he's talking about how he's happy to be home and he's feeling a little froggy. And I'm like, yeah, 
Brian Danielson seems like the type of person who would use the word froggy. So I'm like, okay, Brian Danielson's feeling froggy. And then he says, I'm ready for another fight. And he calls out MJF. So MJF comes out and we get a lot of back and forth uh, talk between them. I don't know how long this segment lasted, but I'm pretty sure it took up a good amount of time because there was so much that went here uh, that went down. So I'm going to recap this as best as I can here. So we had some interesting lines, one from NJF, where he tells Brian Danielson, and this I know is going to be a topic. <laughs> he says, with all due respect, Brian, if Lance Storm and Dean Malenko were somehow to procreate and have a child, it would be more charismatic than you. Um, I can't wait to hear what Lance Storm has to say about that, by the way. Um, I don't know what his reaction is going to be to that, but I can't wait to hear his thoughts on that. Uh, he then goes on to basically throw shots at uh, Brian Danielson for, a, you know, he says, just because you look like a goat doesn't mean that you're the greatest of all time. He then goes on, to throw some shots at his mother. And he insinuates that his mother did it with a goat. Okay, that was the insinuation of what he was basically telling to Brian here, um, saying that she couldn't find a human suitor. So then Brian Danielson fires back because you know this, everybody, when someone tells some, when someone talks shit about your mama, you got to come back with another your mom joke uh, as well. So obviously Brian Danielson had to get a comeback. Now you throw a shot at my mama, I'm gonna throw a shot at your mama. So he says, um, quote, in the back, all the boys talk about your mother and how many human suitors that she's had. Uh, so obviously you guys all know the implications of what he meant by that. Um, so then this continues, MJF. So after the your mom stuff, MJF tells them who died and made you king of wrestling? Journalists who have never stepped foot in the ring or even out of their mother's basements or even worse, these marks who don't have an athletic bone. So he throws a shot at that. Then he says that people that put him over are people like Eric Bischoff uh, and Jim Cornette. And so obviously uh, that gets people talking. That was definitely like trending instantly on Twitter. Uh, after this, he says, I had a feeling that you were gonna stick your nose in my business as I talked to that nerd Tony Khan in the back. And this all leads to basically a build to their uh, potential match at Revolution. So here's the deal. After some back and forth, this is what's been decided. From now on to from now through February 8th, Brian Danielson has to win every single match. Okay, and from the looks of it, obviously MJF is going to be um, maybe picking his opponents or making things a lot harder for him. That was a little bit unclear, but the point is Brian has to win every single match from now until February 8th. If he does, if he does do this, then he will become the number one contender and challenge MJF at Revolution. However, Brian Danielson wasn't going to take this like one way street, uh, you know, proposition. So he obviously went and pitched something himself. He said, fine, but I pick the stipulation. If we do this, I pick the stipulation at revolution. 
So Brian Danielson and MJF is looking like it's most likely, because this is the stipulation he went with, it's going to be a one, one hour Iron Man match at Revolution. And this was basically put on by Brian Danielson because he wants MJF to prove that he can actually wrestle, that he's the wrestler that he says he is, given that MJF basically threw a bunch of shots at Brian Danielson for supposedly not being a good wrestler in MJF's eyes. So um, this is going to be fun because I'm curious to see who the opponents are going to be from Brian Dan for Brian Danielson. Obviously, we remember everything that MJF did with Chris Jericho, where he gave, where he had all of these really random opponents. I kind of hope we see that with Brian as well. And then if we do get this one iron this one hour Iron Man match at Revolution between MJF and Brian Danielson, I am so curious to see what that's going to look like because it is going to be what feels like you know sort of a test for MJF. Um, obviously he'll be in there with Brian Danielson, but I think that that'll be, um, it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. And clearly I'm expecting MJF to, you know, MJF his way in terms of actually winning. I don't know. I don't know. As of right now, I don't see MJF holding the belt only up until AEW revolution, but you know, we still got so much more time until we actually get there. That's till March, what? 5th, March 5th. So anyways, uh, this was a whole lot of fun. Uh, all of the back and forth here between Brian and MJF was so fun, especially because um, they have such different personalities and Brian just says some stuff that is just, it, he's low key, really damn funny. He's like underrated funny, I feel. No, maybe not underrated funny. Brian Danielson has some good lines, okay? And I think people forget that sometimes. And then he says stuff and you're like, oh shit, did Brian just say that? Um, so he's got some good stuff in there. This was fun. This was really fun. Um, we got a super chat here from Heidi Ho who says, uh, uh, Denise and Jim Cornette are my two favorite podcasters. So of course I loved this MJF promo. Uh, thank you so much to Heidi Ho for this very generous super chat. Um, all right, and let me go ahead and press on from this. We got one from Mike T90K. Thank you so much, Mike, for this generous super chat. He says, um, revolution finish. MJF is about to tap out and OMG, it's Disco Inferno doing the dance. Brian gets up and oh my God, it's Cornette with a low blow from behind. Oh my God, it's Bischoff with another uh, ref. One, two, three, MJF wins. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? And you knew I was expecting to get more uh, Jim Cornette references because uh, MJF did do a couple at the press scrum, scrum? at the press scrum following his victory, following when he actually won the AEW World Championship. So, um, so yeah, there you go. But yeah, this is some interesting booking, Mike. Thank you so much for the super chats. <laughs> um, all right, and let's go ahead and uh, continue on from here. I'm just trying to catch up with all of these comments here. Uh, thank you guys so much for blowing up the chat, by the way. I appreciate you guys so much. If you are enjoying this podcast, I'm here three times a week, okay? Tuesdays, I'm here to talk about NXT. Wednesday's my most popular show. I'm here to talk about AEW Dynamite. And then Fridays, I'm here to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. So it is a whole lot of wrestling going on throughout the entire week. But now, let's get into a match that I thought was really, really good. And this was Swerve Strickland versus AR Fox. So obviously, Swerve's hometown. So we were expecting to see him, uh, you know, clearly have this fun one-on-one -on -one match. And when the opponent 
AR Fox. AR Fox has been doing a pretty damn good job in AEW. He hasn't, you know, he's not somebody that's um that I would say is like heavily featured, but he did get to win the what do they call it? The Queen's Crown Tournament, the three hundred thousand uh, dollars, along with Top Flight, and the matches that he has been part of. He has completely been, uh, you know, he's blown away the fans. He's he's a fan. He's somebody that the fans like to see when he's in there. It's like, okay, cool. It's Air Fox. We're gonna get a cool match because he's he's shown nothing other than uh, doing good work in there. So. Honestly, Swerve and AR Fox, damn, bro, they had some pretty good chemistry. They went in there, and the cool thing was that both guys are very, very agile, so they were able to do things with each other uh, in this match that just looked pretty damn cool. My favorite thing about it was not just the flow of this match and the instant chemistry that they had, but rather the transitions. I thought they had some really fun transitions and how they got from one thing to another. And that was definitely something that uh, really stood out for me. And I thought that they gave AR Fox a whole lot in this. They gave him a lot of shine. He goes in there, hits a 450 splash. Um, and Swerve wins in a heelish way because he basically uh, is handed, I, I forget, I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure they specify what he actually handed to uh to Swerve. P Parker hands Swerve something. I don't think they ever actually said, chat, help me out here. Because at first I thought it was brass knucks, but I never actually saw the brass knucks. Unless I missed it completely. But he, he, he whatever, they hand him something. And it gives, it obviously hurts AR Fox. And this allows... Uh, swerve to hit a really, really nicely executed Death Valley driver onto the apron. And dude, that looked freaking sick because the the positioning and the way that it was executed, oh, it looked really good. Like it could have gone wrong and it did it. It did not go wrong at all. And the, the camera shot, I thought looked really cool too. Like the angle of the camera kind of helped it a lot more. Um, and... Um, finally, Swerve hits a stomp onto AR Fox and gets the win. Um, so there you go, guys. That was basically Strick, uh, Swerve Strickland and AR Fox. And all I want to say is this. I want to see more of AR Fox. I want to see more of Swerve versus AR Fox. This feels like it was a one-time thing, though. I'm not expecting to see anything more, more. But I'm hoping that because this match was so fun that maybe Tony is going to see this and be like, Let's, let's run this back at some point. You know what? Let's do something a little bit more. Let's give AR Fox a little bit more because when you go out there and you do a, a good job, you obviously want to see these people feature just a little bit more because you guys know it's hard, man. There's so many people on the AEW roster and not everybody gets seen every week. You know, some people are sporadic. So AR Fox went in there and he did a freaking good job with the opportunity that he was given in this match because something tells me this wasn't supposed to be the match that was supposed to take place and it did and there you go he rocked it so good stuff there um okay um, from here on out, we get a uh, funeral that the guns do for FTR. They basically recap the FTR's year and throw a shot at their podcast saying that no one watches it. Um, and they basically say that FTR is never working here again and they're the best and this and that and that was it. Uh, the guns clean up nicely. Thumbs up. Let's move on. Sky Blue and Kiara Hogan team up to take on Red Velvet and Jade Cargill. Um, honestly, this was pretty, this was, there wasn't that much here because they pretty much, um, we already knew because they've been telling the story that Red Velvet and Jade Cargill haven't necessarily been uh, 
besties at all. Like they're pretty much falling apart. They're unraveling every week. So they've been teasing this uh, for quite a bit that Jade and Red Velvet don't see eye to eye during, uh, don't see eye to eye with each other. So there's a moment where Jade tries to get the tag and she wants Red Velvet to go in there, but Red Velvet basically goes like, nah, she's out. So she refuses to tag Jade Cargill. She refuses to get tagged in and help out Jade Cargill. So, but Jade Cargill still manages to win the match and pins Kiara Hogan. So there's really nothing much else to add. This has been kind of a wait and see. I feel like right now with Jade Cargill, I feel like it's a lot of wait and see as to when, when exactly are they going to, uh, when exactly are they going to put her in a program where it's where it's with somebody that you legitimately think has a real shot at actually defeating her and winning the TBS championship? I don't really feel like they are. I don't think Red Velvet is that person. So I can already tell you that I'm not expecting to see whenever they have Red Velvet, Jade Cargill, I'm not expecting to see Red Velvet defeat Jade Cargill. Um, it, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know when they're actually going to get there. And I was thinking about this too. And I don't think that, I don't think that they'll do this, but I was thinking like maybe once Mercedes comes in and they want to put some gold on her, but if you're going to put gold on Mercedes, I would just go with the top belt and that being the AEW women's championship. But something tells me, I don't know. I'm thinking that either Jade, I don't know. I feel like we're getting closer to the end of Jade's reign. I think it, I think we're getting closer to it. Obviously, she's 47 and 0 right now. I think 50 might be it. I don't know. I don't know. I think 100 is just way too long at this point. I think they need to uh they they need to keep Jade Cargill's program fresh and I don't think that Red Velvet Jade Cargill is the is the program to really really make me think oh yeah this person's gonna be the one to defeat jade uh i don't think so but we'll see red velvet does a really great job uh whenever she's out there i think she does a really good job so, and i'm a fan of red velvet but i don't think she's gonna be defeating jade cargill uh heidi ho sends in a super chat saying i hope it's statlander um i don't know I, it's too I, I don't know right now i thought it was gonna be willow nightingale but um they would have to you know work their way to that and right now they're not really doing that just yet uh, but thank you so much to Heidi Ho for also sending this in. Um, all right. So last but not least, because we ended the show with a banger. Um, Jesus, I loved this top to bottom. Okay. I already loved Darby Samoa Joe the last time we saw it. And this time we uh, saw it again in the main event for the TNT championship uh, in Darby's hometown. So this was something, guys. Oh, boy. All right. So. Samoa Joe goes out there and uh, he chokes, he starts choking Nick Wayne, uh, the son of Buddy Wayne. Uh, they, you know, made sure to mention him uh, on commentary as well. And so he goes in there and uh, starts choking him. Um, Darby is like, oh, hell no, like you're not going to do that. So he obviously uh, goes in there and goes right after Samoa Joe. And they make their way up to the stage. So once they're at the stage, uh, Darby ends up climbing a ladder and doing a uh, swanton onto Samoa Joe. And this looks kind of crazy because it was the way that the, the, the camera was set up because 
I couldn't really tell where Samoa Joe exactly was at at this point because it was one minute we were seeing Samoa Joe one place and then all of a sudden we're looking up and we're seeing Darby Allen climb up and I'm thinking, holy shit, where is Samoa Joe? Where is Darby Allen actually going to land in? And then finally the camera moves and you see the actual landing. Um, it was pretty cool. But anyways. So they finally make their way uh, back into the ring and the match officially gets started. And th the last, this I'm going to say the same thing I said last time. Samoa Joe, you can tell he has a hell of a time working with Darby Allen because Darby Allen, okay, so Samoa Joe is this really hard-hitting kind of guy. Like, no BS. He ain't going to be, you know, giving you no, he ain't going to be soft with you, okay? He's going to go in there and it's going to be hard-hitting stuff, all right? Darby, we know Darby is not afraid to, you know, take a brutal bump. We know he's not afraid to basically put his body on the line to have this sort of death wish, okay? That's, Darby's not afraid of that. So you get these two people, one who wants to do and one who wants to receive, you're going to get something there. And we saw him literally practically take the life out of Darby the last time they wrestled. And we got that again here today. We saw Samoa Joe literally slammed Darby into the steel steps so freaking hard. Um, I'm thinking, Jesus, Darby, what? What is happening here? It looked really great, but it, it did make me go, oh, shit. Like, it gave me the oh, shit reaction. So then after this, we see uh, we go to a commercial break. And when we come back, they basically show something that happened during the picture in picture, which was Samoa Joe tossing Darby onto the ring post. And you just see Darby's face like hit the post and then just like bounce off completely to the other direction. That was definitely uh, sickening as well. Um, there was moments. So after he hit a double knee breaker on uh, Darby, they showed the crowd. And there was this woman in the crowd who was just stunned. She was so like she had the best reaction. She was just like frozen thinking, oh my God, Darby's hurt. Like she had a really good, a really good reaction there. Uh, so that kind of sold the severity of the beating that we were seeing from Samoa Joe to Darby Allen. So that was pretty cool. Um, finally, uh, we also see Joe do a senton onto the knees of Darby. He starts choking out Darby. Um, finally, we see Darby hit uh, Samoa Joe with a code red. And then for the finish, he does not one, but two coffin drops wins this match, becomes TNT champion. Once again, uh, Sting goes out there and celebrates with him. And they have this big old ending with confetti and all the works. And it feels like a really special, uh, happy moment for him to basically have this in his hometown and, you know, be champion and then have Sting out there. Sting of all people. Like I could, obviously we've seen Sting and Darby a whole lot already, but that's something that I could never get over. It's like seeing Sting, uh, not... The thing that I can get over is put yourself in Darby's shoes. Like imagine being Darby having these really epic moments and then next to you is, is Sting and he's there rooting for you. Like what? Seriously, think about that. Think about that. Having like somebody that is a freaking icon, uh, cool as hell, they're in the ring with you cheering you on and it's your friend and it's your partner and this and that. That's pretty epic, man. I don't know about you, but that's pretty epic. Um, Alrighty, everyone. That was the main event of AEW Dynamite. That was the first episode of AEW Dynamite uh, here for the new year. And I would say we started it off with a bang. Uh, 
I think the best match of the night was definitely, uh, I'm going to go with Darby and Samoa Joe just because of how hard hitting it was. But I did enjoy Swerve Strickland and AR Fox a whole lot. Um, there was a lot of really, and Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho was fun too, but I would probably, I still like Swerve and AR Fox maybe a little bit more than that one. Um, and then we just had a lot of really good moments building up to the uh, AEW show in Los Angeles. Now, um, we do have uh, all the matches that are going to be announced. So let me just run through the matches that are announced for the show. So for Rampage this Friday, and I will be back here, we are going to be seeing Brian Danielson and John Moxley take on Top Flight. We're also going to be hearing from House of Black, and we're going to see uh, Perro, Perro Peligroso uh, will be in action. We're also going to be seeing Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker take on the Renegades twins, uh, Charlotte and Robin. Uh, we like the Renegade twins. I'm a fan of the Renegade twins. Uh, we're also going to be seeing Battle of the Belts, and it's going to be the Acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal in a no-holds-barred match. Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against Sky Blue, and Orange Cassidy defending the AEW All-Atlantic title against Kip Sabian. Then, next week for Los Angeles. So my plan is... After the show, it takes me probably, it's going to take me maybe 25 minutes to half hour to get back home because I do not live far from uh, the Kia Forum. I live very, very close to the Kia Forum, okay? Um, so not too close, but close enough. Uh, anyways, um, so it'll probably take me like 25, 30 minutes to get home. So my show is going to go on uh, a little bit later than it normally does, um, but that's okay because you know, I'll be driving. So give me time, give me time, but I will be here uh, just a little bit later. But anyways, for Dynamite, we are going to be getting the match seven of the best of seven series between the Death Triangle and the Elites. They're tied 3-3. And this is going to be an Escalera de la Muerte match for the AEW Trios title ladder match. That's going to be so much fun, guys. I can't even wait. Soraya and Tony Storm, supposedly, <laughs> take on AEW uh, Women's Champion Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Uh, and we're all expecting Mercedes Monet here. We're also going to be seeing Brian Danielson versus Takeshita. We're also going to be seeing Jungle Boy versus Hook. Oh, wait, sorry. Jungle Boy and Hook, excuse me, versus Lee Moriarty and Big Bill. Moxley and Hangman. So we got one, two, three, four, five, five matches already announced for that. That's going to be fun. All right, everyone. That was Speak Now for Wrestling here today on F4W Online. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And I will see you back here on Friday. If not, I'll see you back here next week for my review of Dynamite in LA in the show that I will be at. All right. Until next time, thank you so much for being here. I'll see you guys later. Bye.